Good morning, everybody. Uneducated Economist here. So are the interest rates hurting or helping the economy? When the Federal Reserve want to start raising interest rates to bring down the inflation, the idea behind it is, is that they were going to be hurting the consumer. Now, this is actually taking place as we see the manufacturing and the global or the threat of a global recession kicking in in a lot of places. It already appears that the recession has started as far as many countries go, but as far as an entire global recession, it looks like that is pretty much imminent now that the global growth is around 1.2% and typically it would be around 2%. So we definitely have a slowdown when it comes to global growth. Now, when we think about what's happening here in the United States, the interest rates were supposed to hurt the consumer, right? This is, this is what the Federal Reserve was looking for. It's what everybody anticipated. When the interest rates go up, everything was gonna start crashing. But that's not what happens, right? That's not what's happening anyway. And it looks like the rising interest rates is somehow boosting the markets. I'm going to leave a couple of links down in the description that talk about these two particular instances in which that most people feel when the interest rates elevate that this is going to slow the economy down, create the recession, housing goes down, stock market goes down, everything starts to deteriorate when it comes to the economy when the interest rates are elevated. And this is pretty much like what everybody is feeling out there when you think about the common narrative about lifting interest rates or interest rates rising. But then we look at what happened with the markets and it tells a very much different story. Now, if we think about this, it really comes down to where the return on capital investment is. See, if you have a return on capital investment that is zero, it makes it very difficult to spend that money into the economy. So let me give you an example. This is something that I've used quite a few times for, for um for an example is imagine that you inherited a million dollars in the early 80s and you took that million dollars and you invested it with the US government by buying 10-year treasuries you would get a return of somewhere around a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year for your million dollar investment with US treasuries or the 10-year treasury now a, a $100,000 in the early 80s or even 150 would have been like a lot of money, you know. You could have bought houses and cars and go on vacation and just really had a lot of money to spend, especially in the early 80s. Well, we think about it today and if you inherited a million dollars and you invested that with the US government and bought 10-year treasuries, you would get a return of somewhere around what 40 to $50,000 a year. I mean, it's a lot of money, but I mean, forty to fifty thousand dollars a year is not a lot of money in today's standards, comparatively to what one hundred and fifty thousand dollars was back in the early '80s. So the return on capital investment is still pretty low today than it was back in the early '80s. But the return on capital investment today is much better than it was just a few years ago when interest rates are at zero. Think about it, you invest a million dollars with the US government just a few years ago and you might get a return of $10,000, right? There was almost no return on interest rates or for the yield on investing with US treasuries at the time. So that wasn't a whole lot of money that you could get back in to spend back into the economy. Very different like what we are getting today. So now people are actually getting a return on their capital investment. Now, 
if you do think about this, it's not really a return on capital investment. It just appears to be because you have this 5% return, but inflation is running somewhere around 5%. So therefore it's like a zero, right? I mean, if inflation is running 5% and your return is 5%, your real interest rate is zero, right? I mean, think about it from the investment point of view. If you were an investor who was getting 2% or expecting a 2% return on your investment, and you had an inflation expectation of just 1%, the real rate of return, the real interest rate would be 1%. If you lower the inflation expectation, the interest rate or the return on, on investment would go up to 2%, what the investor thinks that they are going to get after inflation. So if the inflation expectation is elevated and the interest rates are elevated, then it ends up breaking even. But if the inflation expectation drops and the interest rates are elevated, then there's a return on capital investment. You see what's happening there? So now with the, with the interest rates elevated and the idea of inflation coming down, the return on capital investment can now move back into the economy. And we're finding that happening within the stock market. And that's what this particular article is suggesting. Now, whether or not this continues or if this is actually a trend that is, you know. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, say going to be stable as far as like continuous. I don't know about that. Like, I think that at some point the stock market is going to find a reversal and that a lot of people are going to start selling off. And the main reason for that is because of the liquidity issues, right? The Federal Reserve is bringing in, reeling in the, the money, right? The quantitative tightening. And that is taking place right now. And that liquidity issue that they are trying, or not necessarily trying to create, but is going to be created because they really are trying to slow the economy down by getting people to stop spending as much money into the economy. Well, it's totally working around the world. Right. I mean, just take a look at the manufacturing base in China right now. 20% of the population between like 18 and 24 is unemployed, which is, you know, basically saying that there's a whole lot of youth that are not doing anything. And that's kind of a dangerous position to be in. And then you look at things like what's going on in Mexico, right, with the Mexican peso, because a lot of people ask me about that one and ask me to explain what's going on there with the with the Mexican peso and how come, you know, it's doing so well or so strong. You know, a lot of people are asking me about this. Well, you, again, it has to do with where the interest rate levels are at. So the Mexican Fed, like the equivalent of the Fed funds rate in Mexico is somewhere around like 11 percent or something. Right. And the inflation rate is somewhere around four or five. OK, so now if you have an interest rate at 11 percent that you can get a yield on and inflation's at five percent, your real return is somewhere around five percent. That's a pretty good deal. Now, that gets people like, hey. The risk in Mexico is a little higher, but the return is way better, right? So taking on that risk for the return that they get. There's also a lot of other reasons, like you got a lot of remittance coming back where people you know, are sending money back home to Mexico. There's a lot more of that taking place. There's reshoring, like there's a lot of manufacturing that is moving back to Mexico, but really it's the interest rate level and where they are at. 
Now you can get a return on your capital investment by getting into, you know, the Mexican, <clears throat> into the in, into the Mexican peso, and get that real return where you couldn't really find it over in the United States, where it's almost a break even. So that's not going to last. It's only for it's only for the time being, and it's not like it's because of some great economic churn of events that is happening that's going to make this a permanent thing or a permanent feature of, of their economy. It's just a temporary temporary situation right now and eventually we will find a reversal in that. How far out, I don't know. But that's really what's taking place now is the interest rates level right, and where they are at and what the return on capital investment would be and how people are trying to take advantage of that. That's really what this is all about. That's why we're finding that the stock market is staying elevated is because people are getting that return on capital investment for the first time in years, right, before they would put, you know, money towards a cash, you know, investment, whether it be like U.S. Treasuries, money markets, or even just savings accounts. But like when you start going into these cash equivalent investments, they didn't have a whole lot of interest rate to them. But now the yields on these things are quite high. So as these, you know, savers, people who are you know trying to hold on to the cash for, you know, whatever reason, looking for short term returns, you know, in a cash position, whether it be like, you know, again, money markets or treasuries or something like that, they're finding that the return on that, on that position is doing quite well. That's money they can spend back into the economy. And most likely they're moving it into the stock market. And that's the reason why you're seeing the stock market stay with a term is boosting the stock market. I wouldn't necessarily call it a boost of the stock market, but it's preventing it from necessarily falling at a dramatic rate. Again, this could very well all be temporary, you know, as you know, we're just kind of going through the different trends that are changing here. And now somebody else asked me, it was like, why did Janet Yellen go to China? Right. And, and, you know, do the meetings over there. I personally look at this as a way to reestablish the narrative that they want to tell. Here in China, you tell this story, I'll go back to the United States, I'll tell this story, and between the two of us and our media propaganda outlets, we will control the narrative of what it is that's going to be said out there. And for months and months and months, it's all been about de-dollarization. Get out of the dollar, nobody wants the dollar, get rid of the dollar. And what did we find? People hoarding dollars, right? Not, not getting out of the dollar, they're holding on to dollars. In fact, they're holding on to dollars so tightly that now it's made a nuisance for nations who depend on dollar transactions. They can't find the dollars to do it, so they're switching over to yuan. They're switching over to other things. A lot of people look at it as like, hey, they don't want the dollar. They want to use yuan. That's not the case. They can't get the dollars to do it. They would much rather use the dollar than the yuan, but there's not enough of the dollars out there because so many people are now hoarding on to them. But that's not necessarily a story that's being told. Right. So the idea that they put out there as far as de-dollarization, that is definitely taking place. I'm not trying to say that it's not happening. There's plenty of evidence of de-dollarization happening out there within trading between international you know, transactions between different countries. I'm not saying that's not happening. That is definitely happening. Right. But the reason that it's happening is not because people are trying to get out of the dollar. They're trying to hold on to their dollars. This is Gresham law, right? This is Gresham's theory that bad money chases out good. If you had two different currencies out there, right? And an individual was just like, man, which one do I want to spend and which one do I want to hold on to? They would put the bad currency out there and hold on to the good. 
right? So the individual would have the good currency, but the economy itself would have the bad currency out there. Think about all the transactions that are taking place in Yuan while people are hoarding on to the cash, to the, to the U.S. dollars. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that are taking place. Take a look at the articles that I leave down in the description and think about these theories as opposed to the common mainstream na narrative that the dollar is on its way out, that the inflation is going to be running rampant forever. You know, you, you take this sort of thought, like it's all about the meaning you give it. Like if you believe that the U.S. dollar is going to fail you, then that's exactly what it's going to do right? It's going, you're going to find yourself in bankruptcy and all the other stuff because that's what you believe the dollar is. And that's the meaning that you're putting behind it. Eh? Same thing when it comes to, you know, this de-dollarization or, you know, the reestablishment of a new world reserve currency, the meaning that we put behind these, right? If it means that the dollar is failing, then that's what it's going to do for you. But if it means that the dollar is going to go really strong, then that may be what it does for you, right? <laughs> I mean, Uneducated economist, you guys let me know.